Welcome to the Transform Recruit Marketing Podcast, the podcast focused on the talent acquisition community and having conversations with practitioners to share insights, best practices, and trends that help the discipline of recruit marketing grow and prosper. I'm your host, Chris Brablick. This episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with George LaRock, principal analyst and founder of LaRock and HR Wins. George is one of the most knowledgeable people I know in the HCM space, and I love to pick his brain on the latest and greatest on HR technology and technology trends. This week, we spoke about a variety of topics, including the key technology trends of the past 20 years, where innovation is happening today, and how to best buy technology and evaluate vendors in today's Me Too environment. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Transform Recruit Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm really excited because I have one of my favorite people in HR tech, George LaRock. Uh, George is the founder and principal analyst at LaRock and uh, the awards program HR Wins. He's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts in HR tech, HR Market Watch, which is part of that HR Happy Hour Network. Um, So it's really great to have George on today. And so, George, how are you doing? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me here. I, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, you're you're one of my favorite people, so the chance to talk to you is is always a pleasure. Uh, well, it, the pleasure is all mine, George. The pleasure is all mine. Um, so you know, when I talk to every um, person that we kind of bring onto the podcast and, and talk around, you know, uh, human capital management, I always really like to kind of start at the beginning. Um, to get a better understanding of, you know, where people are from, you know, how to, what their interests were kind of growing up, and then ultimately how they got into human capital management. So, you know, if we're starting at the beginning of, you know, kind of where did you grow up? Uh, What were you interested in um, when you were growing up? And then ultimately, you know, how did you kind of make your way into, um, you know, HR tech and, uh, you know, everything that you do today? Yeah, yeah. Good, good question. Um, so I'm. Uh, I, I found that uh, people, when when I meet people or I see people, that even that I've known for a while, they always tag me with the last place I, I'm coming from because I'm. Uh, uh, I've moved around a lot, so I. In in my heart, I'm from uh, I'm from New Hampshire, and I'm from Boston. I was actually born in New Jersey, grew up in New Hampshire, built my career in Boston. You know the 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 early sort of you know starting part of my career. But then I lived in New York City for a couple of years. I lived in Napa, California for uh, over four years, um, and now I'm back in New Jersey for uh, about four years now. So. Um, I've been all over the place, uh, but I'm really a New England guy, uh, a Boston guy. That's where I'm from. Um, now, uh, you, how, uh, what was I interested in growing up? Um, you know, I'm a uh, Gen Xer. I'm a, a product uh, of the '80s, uh, so you know, I, it was music for me. That was probably my um, my big uh, prevailing interest. Um, I did have a you know, you know, thinking about this question, and I, when I was when I was growing up, uh, I did have the this this attraction to um, business and success, and I and I think it was because uh, my my mother 
uh, was an entrepreneur. She had a she had been in the uh, bridal industry for I don't know twenty years, and then she opened her own um, bridal uh, shop, which was very successful. She ran that for you know twenty something years and ended up selling it. But I watched her, you know, start a business and build a business. So I, I would actually um, every now and then buy like a Fortune magazine as a, as a teenager. And I was that nerd who would like read about, you know, how businesses became successful um, just as a little. I never really took it that never meant as much to me as just a passing interest until later on when I became an entrepreneur. And I realized, you know, I kind of watched my my family um, help build that business and um, and had, you know, that was instilled in me sort of work ethic and um, entrepreneurship. So um, those are the interests. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and, you know, I mean, I know, um, when I was talking to uh, Martin Burns, he, he also mentioned kind of his parents and uh, installing that entrepreneurial spirit um, into, um, you know, kind of how he approached, you know, his career and kind of looking at it. <clears throat> now, I, I know, um, you know, that really kind of started off, especially, you know, early on, I know, uh, with, you know, Brass Ring um, back in the day, um, ultimately, you worked with our founder and CEO, Mike Hennessy back, yeah. uh, back then. And um, I yeah. know they were also kind of one of the first real pioneers in the recruiting t technology space, and kind of forming that big category. So I'd be curious, kind of how you ultimately kind of found, um, you know, HCM, um, when you were kind of uh, going about and, and forming your career, and then that experience of you know taking that experience and then ultimately bringing it to your uh, future pursuits. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, uh, I, I really enjoyed telling the the story. Um, it, when I when I tell it, it it's it's going to sound like it was a really well thought out you know plan, uh, but but like any career, uh, it. It you know you know starts with um, taking a leap and um, and then just making a series of decisions uh, when you're doing when you when you're navigating through those career decisions um, it doesn't feel all that well you know planned early on um, but then looking back uh, you realize you know that there's a lot of um, consistency there so. So I, I start real. I've got about 26, 27 years of industry experience. It's really all I've ever done. Um, I started in recruiting, and and this part of the story I think matches a lot of folks. In I started on the staffing side. I started at an agency um, in uh, in Southern New Hampshire that uh, did tech. Uh, finance, manufacturing, and sales. We were a big regional agency with about, uh, we did permanent placement. And at that time, this was um, the like 1990 um, uh, contract recruiting was just coming up. So we had just launched uh, a contract uh, division, but we had like 40 people, uh, which was a big regional agency. And when I got into recruiting, it was, it was via the sales, you know, mindset. So, um, I was, um, I had no experience and, uh, people said, you know, you, you're, you ought to sell, you should sell. So I started selling and then I had a family member who was working at that agency and said, you know, I think you'd be really good at this recruiting thing. And so, um, I went in and, um, and met, uh, the, the president, 
of the firm and they actually weren't hiring a lot of people with no experience, but we shared something in our background, which um, I had been in the Air Force. I was a crew chief on a F-15 and he had been in the Navy and he was a crew chief on something that one of the airplanes in the Navy, one of the jets in the Navy early, you know, w- way back. And so he took a he took a liking to me and, um, you know, he liked what that meant from a work ethic perspective and, and things like that. Um, and and it worked out great. I, I excelled at that agency. Um, and from there, I started um, with a couple of colleagues from that agency. I'd gone out on my own and, and I ran my own desk for a while uh, and then started what would now be called an RPO or and a little bit we did we did recruitment process insourcing uh, and HR outsourcing. And we grew this firm. Um, it was called Benchmark. I had two partners. We grew it to 55, uh, 55 or 60 full-time consultants. These were full-time employees. And this was the early days of the internet. Uh, so we did a, around Boston, we did, we did all of the internal hiring for um, internet startups is what we called them then. Uh, we open market. We had datacom companies like 3Com. We had um, we had we had a lot you know dozens of customers. We we kept uh, 55 employees billing um, more than full time. So um, some interesting stories here. So uh, one of our early customers was Monster. So Monster was a startup. Uh, Jeff Taylor was coming around and wanted to uh, leverage our customers and get the Monster board, was what, what it was called then, into our customer base. So we set a deal up with Monster. And then when they got some funding, they had us come in and we did all of the early hiring for Monster when they were, they're actually over a Chinese restaurant in Framingham, Massachusetts. And then as we did the hiring, we had to put people in trailers in the Chinese restaurant parking lot. And then we followed them into, uh, into their, um, their first, um, facilities. Now, another partner was, um, was a uh, resume processing company and and they had uh, just created a web-based applicant tracking system and that was called uh, Hire Systems and that's where I met your founder Mike Hennessy. So um, we would uh, we I I really spent a lot of time with uh, actually the founders of Hire Systems and Mike. Mike was the 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 primary architect of of well basically anything Higher Systems did, but along with the founders um, and uh, help them with the product. So explain, you know, this is what recruiting is. This is, you know, this is how the workflow ought to work. Uh, and we brought their uh, system into our customers in this. Again, it, back then we were just a consulting firm, but we'd be a we'd be like a small RPO now. And uh, then Higher Systems was acquired and and then the Post came in and acquired the company that acquired Higher Systems and they were getting a bunch of money and one of the founders called and said, you know, hey, um, we'd like you to come talk about a position with us. So I, I actually thought that I would be going to Higher Systems to help them implement um, their products and help them manage their customers because I was a recruiting expert. Um, and what they wanted me to do was help take this product to market be- because of that 
understanding. So, um, you know, I'd been helping all of these web companies, all of these internet companies with all of their recruiting and their staffing. And this was like 1997, 1998. And, um, you know, I had watched uh, my customers go public and, and I had, you know, I had uh, a, a taste of what it was like to be in, in that kind of environment. And so I really wanted to be a part of something like that. So I so I jumped in and the rest is history. So I became like employee number 10 there and worked really closely with Mike. Um, early on, it was, you know, just basically product and sales. And we uh, we went out and listened to customers and. Uh, well, we first we got a couple of customers and, and we list then we listened to them and, and we we just kept building that product. And of course, it got much bigger um, along the way. But that's how I I found my way into uh, into the talent acquisition technology space. And it was a great run. We I, I had I took them. I ran sales uh, and took them to about 50 million uh, before I left. I mean, that that's it's amazing because you know really that was the first what we know today as an applicant tracking system and you know when we look back at the evolution of that of the space you know it was the the monsters the career builders that really you know kind of exploded the tech landscape around recruiting and you know one of the big things was that I, I could never find enough applicants and now these job boards were supplying me with so many that you needed something to do with them. Uh, and, you know, with Brass Ring uh, and then in future systems, you know, uh, what ultimately became Taleo. And there were a number of other ATSs that all kind of formed around this new product category. So it's really, uh, really cool that you kind of were in the ground floor of helping the monsters of the world, you know, start to bring on the people they needed to ultimately kind of grow and ex- succeed, but also started to build that ATS product category as well. Yeah, it, it was it was such a fun time uh, that that whole RPO experience. Well, you know, I'm calling it RPO now, but we didn't. It's I always chuckle when I say that, but but uh, it was such a great ride. We, um, you know, we talk a lot now in the market about things like employer branding, and um, it was it's we've always done branding, right? So, uh, 1994. Uh, we were taking employers to the web, right? So they they didn't have career sites. They didn't have, they weren't putting their jobs on the web. This was this was literally the point in time where the newspapers were starting to lose their classified ad spend. So it it started where we would run their print ads for them, and the founder of Monster ran a uh, recruitment ad agency. So that's where he saw the erosion happening, right? Um, but we would, um, one of the big things we did as an RPO is we would, it, it was, it was, it was like staggering to the market when we, as, as a business, we took out a, a, a full page, a front page on the Boston Globe help wanted section. And, uh, it, all it was, was a URL to a site that we created with all of our customers' jobs. And uh, it was like, I forget, it was something provocative, like internet jobs found here, www.whatever. And um, people were like, what are you doing? And it was like, we're, you know, the people we want to hire, they want to see that. That's what they want. 
Um, and we did we did fun things like um, we would advertise that one of the uh, technical geniuses from 3Com in data communications would be putting on a talk, and and he would, uh, and you know please come learn about you know packet switching or whatever you know it was back then, and uh, who would come to that? Well, people that 3Com wanted to hire, and we would uh, talk to them and get to know them, and you know this was all branding and content and thought leadership. And it's really evolved. It's 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 really interesting to watch how the technology has evolved and how all of this has evolved. But what a fun time to take everybody to the web, including you know the enterprise um, players on the technology side with with hiring, like we did at Brass Ring and, and all of our competitors who were all still out there, all all still talking and working together, just in different ways. Well, this is a fantastic transition. Um, so you know, I mean that you know, overall, uh, all happened, what, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And now we're kind of in this another, you know, next renaissance of recruiting talent acquisition and all the technology that is aimed to do all the things that you just talked about that you, you started doing on the early days, but probably at a much lesser, lesser scale that organizations yep. are looking to do. So, you know, when you think about recruit marketing, employer branding, um, you know, all the, the innovations that are happening over the you know last you know five, but if not so you know last one or two years, um, what are the things and in the, in the innovations that you're seeing that um, you think have legs as you're moving um, forward and, and seeing kind of all these companies start to really implement these strategies? Uh, well, that's a that's a loaded question. I think there there's so many things happening, um, and one of the things I really try to do is is put um, uh, put context around, um, around this conversation, right? So, you know, one size, uh, does not fit all when it comes to technology, when it comes to recruiting or, or HR or any of these areas that we, um, that, that we're, that we, that we work in. So, um, so I, I would say, you know, to, to zoom in on a couple of areas, um, I think, you know, clearly, uh, this, uh, the, the just the concept of recruitment marketing we've seen that go from uh, you know ten years ago we didn't have professionals in the market on the employer side with um, titles like you know recruit recruiting operations or employment branding you know director of em employer branding or uh, you know recruitment marketing operations you know, we didn't have those that we didn't have those people on the 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 employer side and so we've seen. Um, uh, it, you know, I, it, it's a chicken and an egg conversation where, you know, the the, the vision on the employer side uh, definitely drove uh, and the needs on the employer side drove companies like yours to build recruitment marketing platforms. But um, but also the technology, uh, the innovators, uh, you know, created a lot of that opportunity. Um, and, you know, 10 years ago, it was it was um, it was a topic that very few people were really talking about. Um, now, today, I would say, you know, when I think of categories that have legs, this whole conversation about uh, marketing, uh, about uh, uh, how sourcing is being um, automated and uh, turning into engagement, which then ties into uh, campaigns and marketing, um, and talking about that candidate experience and how that you know all these are all 
marketing related discussions that are happening at the, you know, we'll call it the widest part of the funnel uh, where you're touching uh, many candidates and now recruitment marketing um, from a from a technology segment perspective is starting to become where selection is is starting to happen um, and become a real opportunity. So things like you know assessments um, are starting to become part of the process earlier for candidates. And I think that's got a lot of legs as well. So I think the category, that category definitely has a lot of, a lot of legs. The, the jury's still out for me around, um, uh, AI and not, not in a general sense as to whether it will be a thing, but as to where it will really provide the most value from a recruiting perspective. I, I'm not wildly impressed with AI, unless it's directly contributing to one of those areas I, I, I just mentioned. Um, and the other thing, just because it's fresh on my mind, based on some debates that were <laughs> that were happening this morning um, with some folks in the industry, um, the the buyers are becoming more sophisticated. The, the employers are becoming more sophisticated when it comes to this technology. So I think we're about to see um, some real shifts in how the technology gets implemented and uh, buyers are starting to understand that they need to leverage uh, application programming interfaces or APIs and they need to leverage um, systems that have an ecosystem of of partners and technologies that are built around them and that uh, aren't as concerned with owning their desktop as they are in providing good candidate experience and good user experience. So that long, I said a lot there but you can if you want to unpack any of that i'm happy to drill drill in yeah no let's definitely talk around you know there, there are a number of issues there that i know uh i uh talk to pra uh, practitioners about all the time um they ask me you know a number of different questions and you know i think there's also you know an element here where the reason why all this innovation is happening is because there are a lot of global factors that are impacting companies' ability to recruit. Uh, and I think, you know, some of the global factors are, you know, I mean, we, we hear from Josh Bursons that candidates are now in control. Um, and, you know, I think there's a number of reasons for that, but I think, you know, uh, first is data, uh, access to data. We have more access to data than uh, we've ever had. And with that, it also probably s expands the reach and the pool of employers that we can work for. Um, no longer is it, you know, hey, I, I know these brand names and these are the companies I want to work for. Now I, I have access to so many different um, organizations, small, big, um, you know, midsize that I can now find anybody that I want to work for. And that gives me so many more options um, as I kind of conduct that search. And it also gives employers the ability to stand out from that crowd. We're competing against so many different organizations for skilled talent. Um, you know, I know I, I talked to, you know, organizations that you don't typically think about with like developers or, you know, IT professionals, but that they're competing against the likes of Google for, for these engineers and, and these developers. And they ha they don't know how to brand themselves um, in a way that actually attracts that talent. So when you think about kind of some of those global market factors um, that, are really forcing organizations to rethink how they go about those strategies. What are the things that you hear on a daily basis when you talk to organizations and practitioners? 
Well, um, you said something really, uh, you know, really insightful there. You, you talked about, you know, you know, talking to practitioners on a daily basis and, uh, you know, sort of their needs. And I, I, there's a, there's a, um, a struggle, right? The struggle, the, the struggle is the practitioners that I talk to, um, you know, for all of the hype that, that, you know, sits around a lot of these shiny objects, a lot of the trends that, that are, um, that are interesting and that are going to have an impact. Um, the practitioners, you know, I run these round tables of, um, of HR professionals and, um, they get really animated with me around really basic issues. Like, you know, they just want, uh, to have uh, configurable workflow that will actually do what they want it to do, or they just want their systems to talk to each other. Um, they, uh, they, they, they don't want to have to choose between a point solution and a platform. They want to choose the features that they want, and they want everything to, to you know, be interop- interoperate together. So, so that's very tactical. Now, um, but your question's really good because what drives them on a daily basis are some of the issues that you're talking about. So everything that we said in the 90s about the world getting flatter and about uh, small companies and big companies competing um, has really come true. It's just taken a a little longer than, than we all expected. And it's having a big impact on talent. So, um, as a, when you think about these globe, these, these, well, you know, global or, you know, macro issues, um, you've got individuals who have not only choices between employers, uh, but, uh, the opportunity to work, whether it's full-time or whether it's, um, on a freelance basis, um, the ability to work from home remotely, the ability to, uh, to work, uh, you know, in, in, in so many different, uh, models, you know, and I, and I'm, whether it's contingent or whether it's, you know, gig type freelance work or whether it's full-time employment and the, the, so the value proposition that an employer has to any particular candidate, um, you know, really get, needs to be personalized, um, and needs to reflect what that employer can actually deliver and and provide, but it's um, it's a di- it's a very different dynamic because you're not just uh, just to use the analogies a lot of people like to throw around. You know, it's not just Coca Cola competing with Pepsi anymore. It's you know Coca Cola competing with a small startup, uh, not necessarily in Silicon Valley, they could be in Idaho, you know, they could be in uh, Chicago or New York or anywhere or anywhere in the world for that matter. And they may have, um, uh, you know, whether it's from a compensation or whether it's from a career potential uh, perspective, they may have a better message than that large global enterprise. So that's, that's, that's definitely impacting what employers um, have to do from a from a branding and messaging, um, you know, recruitment and you know sourcing and engagement perspective, um, and then um, it's uh, that that candidate experience. Once you've once you've touched the candidate, um, the you know your comment about the candidate being in control. Um, this is just like a buying. 
the analogy of a uh, a, be, a, a, a business to business buyer, they have the ability to do incredible amounts of research, get incredible amounts of information, um, whether it's about uh, your salaries, your employee sentiment, um, your your products, your uh, you know, people that work within your organization, what your organization looks like before they ever take a phone screen or an interview with you. And so that that reality um, changes the game for anybody who's presenting a career opportunity. It's, again, you need to be able to um, assume that candidates are coming into the door uh, at you know in the in the business to business uh, world, uh, the a real frightening statistic for vendors is that buyers get fifty seven percent of the way through their process before they engage in buying an actual tech product. So we don't have that statistic for candidates, but I want to say it's it's more than twenty five or thirty percent of the way uh, in making their decision as to whether it's it's a a company that they'd like to work for or not. So you and what they've learned may or may not be accurate. So you need to um, not just capitalize on what's been out there, but embrace the fact that that they've that they've learned something, and you may need to re-educate them on who you are um, and what it's really like to work there. What they learned on you know Glassdoor about you may not be 100% accurate. Uh, what they learned about your salary ranges may may not be 100% accurate. And you may need to to re-educate them on on who you are and what you're doing. Does that is that some of the stuff that you're looking for? Some of the, sort of the macro trends. I mean, that's the stuff that really has me scratching my head about um, you know how does the technology um, help with this um, and and you know there, there's a you know recruitment marketing definitely has a a, a, a huge place uh, to play here in in that in that in those challenges yeah one of the big points there and you know I think it's a fundamental shift in how we think about recruiting and talent acquisition we've been beholden to the job and the job requisition for a long time. And that's for a number of reasons. You know, I think, you know, when we went from job boards to the applicant tracking system, everything was built around a job and it's still built around a job. That's something that we ultimately need to fill as recruitment professionals. Um, but when we think about our how we reach candidates, we're really shifting from selling jobs specifically to selling the culture, selling the brand, and having the jobs be a subset call to action once we've made uh, or had that candidate make that decision. I really am interested in hearing more about this company. Um, and now I'm going to find a job that I my skills fit, um, that um, interests me in, in going around that. And, and I think that's really where I think organizations are trying to figure out what to do next. Um, and technology is a part of that. So when you think about um, technology and as organizations are starting to think about these strategies and these shifts, you know, how do you see the role of technology kind of fitting in um, as practitioners are, are seeing that? Um, and you know, what should they be looking for um, when they're you know, looking to enhance their existing systems and their existing capabilities? 
Um, well, a couple, a couple of questions there. And I think, you know, first, back to my earlier comment, um, you know, one size does not, you know, fit all. So a, uh, a medium-sized employer or a smaller employer, uh, you know, even a thousand employees, uh, you know, that is, uh, that is hiring, you know, what they have. This, this doesn't need to be and a, a complex or complicated web of, uh, of applications and technologies. Um, in fact, you know, the more simple, the better. And, and that may be a, um, an ethos that you take right up into the, uh, into the enterprise um, because your, your candidate experience um, may be at, uh, at, uh, at risk, you know, the more, uh, the more complexity you put into this this process. So the first the first point is pro- is really around simplicity, um, both internally and in, in what you're implementing, but also but but most importantly um, to that uh, to that candidate experience. So uh, you want to make it um, easy for uh, for candidates to find you. You want to make it easy for them to uh, engage in your uh, your content. And, and when I say content. Um, is it you know the content on your website? Is it can be the the actual jobs? It can be um, the uh, content that you've built around branding um, your you know your employer brand you know etc. Um, and uh, and the the important thing as um, as folks are engaging with with your 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 employment content um it's important that you're tr- that that you have a view to what they're engaging with and to and that's both at a personal level so looking at you know what is this candidate engaging with but also at a at a more broad level what are candidates looking at what are candidates gravitating um toward um so that you can do a more effective job um not just in it's not just in you know in selling the jobs uh, or positioning the jobs, but in providing candidates with the information that they're looking for in order to make a career decision, um, in order to make make that decision to engage with you as as an employer, I think the worst thing the industry has ever done is introduce the concept of a passive candidate, um, because there's really no such thing. Um, there are uh, there are candidates um, and there are uh, consumers, right? So there are people, there are human beings. And if they're engaging in your employment cont- uh, content, um, there, there's some, however you break them down internally, you know, if it's a prospect, it's a, it's a candidate, it's, it's a, a lead, I've heard people call them leads, you know, whatever that is, they're engaging at some level in exploring your brand. Otherwise, they're a potential customer or a potential, um, uh, you know, human being who's going to impact your employer brand when they go to a review site if they have a bad experience or if you're too aggressive or if you're you start spamming them or or using that data for the wrong wrong purposes. So so I think you know the uh, first was simplicity. Second is um, you know capturing those those touch points, uh, giving you as an employer um, that the view to that engagement that would that would speak to analytics and uh, and reporting, uh, and then. And you've got to have um, some seamless connectivity to the back end. So as much as we like to talk about the ATS and that process becoming um, uh, table stakes, you've got to have a connection to that that process 
because it, you know, in between that front end and that back end, that back office, um, is where all of that sourcing activity is happening. And that's where you run the risk of, if you don't have access to that candidate pool and that data sort of on demand, um, you end up exhausting uh, your your brand, exhausting the candidates um, in the market with your brand because you're uh, you're 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 not intelligently marketing to them or or reaching out to them with you know your phone calls or your email campaigns or your social campaigns uh, because you're not aware of uh, of that sort of history um, that you have with these with these folks. Does that? Tied yeah. together for you? No, that's okay. fantastic. And you know, I mean, I, I think there was a number of things there. Uh, just in general, you know, I, I always say that you know, technology doesn't make a strategy. Um, what it'll do is it'll help you be a lot more efficient with that strategy. It'll help you execute that strategy, and ultimately, it'll help you give measurement in trying to answer the questions in your strategy that you need to answer. But if you know a vendor saying, "Well, hey, you just turn this on and it just does it for you," you know most likely you're probably not going to get back the investment that you want because you know really it's a more of a driver of your strategy and how you put that into place versus you know uh, being able to do do it for you um so yep. to speak um so one of the things you know and we we've talked a lot about uh, you know certain trends you know we've mentioned a number of buzzwords buying technology today especially in hr tech is incredibly difficult um, mm -hmm. I know I walk the floors of HR tech every year, and if I wasn't in the space, um, I would be very confused on who offers what, um, what degree do they offer um, certain things, uh, and ultimately, you know, trying to tell A from B uh, vendor would be really, really difficult. So when you talk to, you know, uh, practitioners or people that are looking at different, um, you know, HR tech, um, the software providers, um, you know, out there, what are some of the tips and tricks that you, um, you know, provide them in terms of, you know, really trying to cut through the noise and really understanding the level of functionality that, that the different vendors have? Yeah, it, you're you're spot on on the uh, complexity and the confusion out there. I mean, my, um, my 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 job is to make sense of it, and it's really hard to keep up with. You know, there's been this um, uh, incredible uh, influx of of technology, new technology from existing you know legacy providers, and then startups and emerging vendors, and uh, and it's just it, it can be overwhelming. And I think you know employers, you know buyers get they do get overwhelmed by that. Um, my um, I, I, I've spent a lot of time around this, and uh, both with the buyers and the vendors, and both. Um, there's always this um, this friction that we like to talk about, you know, between the buyers and the and the vendors. And the reality is, everybody really, um, you know, I, I don't know any vendor uh, that is it doesn't at heart have you know the customer's interest in in mind. You know, they might not have the best product, or you know, they might not have the best approach, uh, but they really want to um, they really want to deliver for their customers because that's what makes them successful. Um, so, so I would start with that. And in that context, I would say, uh, I always start with the requirements them themselves. 
And um, some of the tricks that I that I've seen, some of the really interesting things, you know, I, I I push employers to really focus on the core um, workflows or processes that are going to really address their their needs, because no vendor is going to. To, to your point, you know, drop it in and, and just solve all their problems. It's, you know, the old, um, you know, th- things that we used to sayings were like, you know, you, you know, if, if they can solve 80% of your, uh, your problem, you've, you know, you've got a winner. And then, you know, the other side of that is we only use 20% of the technology that we, that we implemented. So um, with that in mind, um, I push them to really focus on on what is going to make um, an implementation successful. And that really gets down to understanding what's going to make your department successful or your business successful before you ever engage with vendors. Um, don't do that work with vendors uh, or, or specific technologies in the room, um, you know, look at it on your own and look at it, you know, build it out um, at, you know, what is going to make my my department, my company successful with regard to, you know, whatever it is, you know, talent acquisition, employment, branding, you know, HCM, whatever that, whatever that process is. And then start to look at the possibilities early on with the vendors give that give the vendors an opportunity to show you the possibilities don't don't be rigid on the front end uh with with your view to what they may be able to offer um and this is where the you know depending on the size of the employer you need to navigate with purchasing or uh, or IT, and sometimes it means doing some of this work and doing some of this research before you've really initiated the actual RFP or or buying process with purchasing or IT, just as a matter of edification for yourself, right? To understand what's what's possible, to then get into that process that becomes more more rigid. But even in that process. Uh, coming back to those particular um, uh, scenarios, those use cases is, is what they become um, that will make you successful and not, if you can, if you can stay out of the marathon, you know, sort of end to end feature checklists, um, if you can, if you can really uh, separate sort of the baseline capabilities to a, a to fact finding missions and keep the real uh, deeper dives to those areas that are going to make you successful. You'll have a much better buying experience. You'll find uh, the vendors are willing to step up and and uh, do a lot for you with their with their demo systems and with their uh, with their sandboxes and and pilot programs um, in order to prove that they can meet those those key capabilities. But it's almost a it, it's. It's a losing proposition for everyone when the process is is um, is exhausting and 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 focused on checking all of the boxes from you know the login screen all the way through to you know the uh, that 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 final click in the interface um, uh, you know when when you're you know onboarding somebody or wherever the process ends, depending on what technology you're 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 evaluating. Long answer, but but I, I that's all of the work that I've done with employers and vendors. It 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 
in fact, I did some of this work with with Martin Burns, uh, one of your last guests. Um, it comes it comes back to this. Agreed. And all of those things, when we were talking about that technology, um, it's also about the the vendors you choose and, and how they are as partners. I, I think one of the things we're seeing, especially um, with all the innovation that's happening, is that, as you mentioned before, that the skill sets that we need in terms of, you know, having some marketing brand skill sets, social skill sets um, within our teams, we're seeing organizations start to invest in that, but not everybody has that type of expertise. Um, And so when you think about, you know, some of the innovation brands and think about that partnership, um, a lot of vendors are looking to kind of not move necessarily move past it, but um, also provide you know, services and insight past the implementation process. It's not just about implementing the technology. It's also about implementing strategy, best practices, and things like that. And so how have you seen that movement happen within the kind of tech space? And and how do you um, think, you know, practitioners should ultimately, like, look at that um, when they're talking to vendors, when they're building out their RFPs? Well, uh, that's a really good point. So there are there are a few um, a few levels to that conversation. At, at the highest level, um, in in the world of cloud-based software, which is pretty much everything we're we're talking about here, nobody's really um, installing this stuff on premise anymore. Um, you're, you're selecting a, a partner. Um, you're you're not just selecting um, a piece of software. So. Um, so with that in mind, you've got to start the buying process, um, you know, understanding that the, the more you give that partner for insight and information, the better job they're going to do uh, for you and helping you make your decision and helping you get to a decision, even when it's competitive. Um, secondly, around this trend, you know, this is one of the trends, this this services trend. It's one of the trends we, did, we didn't get. There's so many things happening in the market. This is one we didn't touch on earlier. Um, and it's something that I'm seeing um, – I'm seeing it in a in a big way. So um, the uh, it it started. There's been this evolution, right? So it started with the the realization that um, you know the initial promise of the cloud, which um, we all learned w- wasn't really uh, you know delivered on, was that you put this stuff in the cloud, everybody's going to use it. It's going to be you know it's not going to require as much support. The investors thought it would cost less. The buyers thought it would all just be easier and less complex. It turned out. No, it just it was delivered, you know, more easily. It's more usable, but we need more support and service around it. Then it evolved into um, the uh, outsourcing firms and consulting firms starting to um, deliver, be able to deliver this technology. And that's where really the expertise, um, that that sort of service expertise, you know, came. Um, and of course, there are always consultants out there to help people. But now what's happening is um, th- uh, th- this, it's, it's evolving into in, in the world of talent acquisition, the examples would be um, at a at a product level, um, 
uh, job boards like uh, Indeed with their Prime service, where you subscribe to a higher level and they're doing some level of assessment and delivering you uh, five candidates within a certain time frame. Uh, or in the you know SMB world, uh, I know ZipRecruiter is trying to do some of the same things, and there are a lot of other examples of that. Um, it's also moving into the corporate side, uh, the internal side, where folks are doing everything from you know managing. They they don't have the resources in house. So whether it's a you know, bringing vendor resources in to help develop those resources, or whether it's managing things like email campaigns, uh, website templates, um, uh, you know, overall campaign management, messaging, uh, implementing the messaging into the systems, you know, basically keeping the trains running on time, um, where the, where the employer is driving the strategy, the content, you know, um, Sometimes content may be delivered by an agency or employment branding specialists, and then um, fed into the uh, the systems, and then you know keeping all of that that content moving. It's really when you step back and think about it, it's no different than what uh, marketing departments outside of recruitment have done for ages. We've always leveraged. Um, uh, freelance and other resources to come in and fill gaps. And then as the, the process either gets taken over by automation or we bring, we develop our own resources, uh, the, that the, we never stop using freelancers. They just shift. You know, we used to have a lot of people running email campaigns in the B2B world. Now, um, they're, they're doing more social marketing and content development and things like that. It's different in the employment space, but, but this is something that I'm seeing, um, seeing and hearing a lot more of. And I think it's, um, I think it's a very good thing for the employers and it's going to help you know, sort of raise the tide of, of skill sets um, in recruitment marketing on the employer side. Great. Now, I, I'd be remiss to have you on the podcast and not ask a little bit more about AI. Um, and um, because, you know, there's a lot of conversations happening with it. Um, I, I also think that, you know, with technology, especially with artificial intelligence, machine learning, there's also a lot of practitioners that are going, well, how is this going to impact me? How is this going to impact my role? How is this going to impact potentially replacing, um, you know, some of the things that I do on a daily basis? Um, and so, you know, when you think about AI and what you've seen and how it manifests, you know, how do you think it, it fits there um, with practitioners and, and with the role of recruiting? Um, yeah, that's the million dollar question, right? So um, I think from a practitioner's perspective, uh Gosh, I can't remember this um, economist and uh, technologist. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he uh, he has a great line. It's not mine, so I don't want to take take credit for it. But he said, you know, if you're in the uh, friction of the economy, this is whether you're in recruiting or in any job. If you were the where the friction lies, um, you're you're going to get automated out. So uh, the analogy would be. Um, if your job is to schedule interviews, if that's like what you do all day long, um, you know, develop some more skills because that is definitely going to get automated. Um, there are a lot of, there's a, there are a lot, there's a lot of AI, a lot of automation, uh, gunning for, uh, gunning for that, um, for that 
that activity. Um, so I don't think most recruiters have to w- worry there. They, they generally add more value um, than that. Um, I, I think uh, where where AI is, uh, what I'm seeing in the market today um, is uh, a lot of automation um, with promise for uh, delivering value through artificial intelligence and machine learning. So the chatbots um, are large that I see um, are largely an automated sort of you know closed loop script uh, script driven uh, you know binary you know yes no decision logic tree. Um, there are only a couple that are starting to really, uh, do take what is uh, the information that's provided and and learn from it uh, or, or provide some level of um, of assessment. Um, so so I'm I'm that's it, it's it's early on it's early there. I think where there are some interesting potentials for um, AI and um, and machine learning are are. Not necessarily in that there will be chatbots and brands will use them. I don't. I. I. I don't see chatbots replacing um, the uh, uh, the the face to the employer because put yourself. Think of yourself in a consumer role. Um, you know, I. I will use a chatbot when I'm trying to get an answer um, from uh, from a system or about a technology, but I'll only use it to a point. And I know I'm using a chatbot. I know I'm interfacing over a chat interface. And at some point, I need um, I need a, a deeper level of engagement in order for me to really get the answer that I want, for me to feel comfortable with that with that answer. And in making a career decision, I think um, I think that's where you're going to see the the bots and the AI on the very front end have an impact. Is sort of you know. Um, improving candidate experience because it, it won't be a black hole for candidates, but there will be a place for humans to interact with humans uh, because that's who we're going to go to work with, right? Or other humans. Now, but what I was getting at is um, when I've got a candidate flow, when I've got a pipeline of candidates, there's some really interesting stuff happening in that world of assessment. And I've, I've said assessments a few times, and I think that that is going to be um, – when we think of assessments, we think of really cumbersome forms that get filled out. We think of um, skills assessments. We think of personality assessments, and we think of um, processes that uh, that are not enjoyable for candidates and not enjoyable for employers. But this is an area that is really ripe for uh, for automation and for AI to come in and have an impact. Uh, because a, there's a lot of data and a lot of content that um, that candidates are providing to employers that will that will uh, that allows an employer to do a much better assessment than they're able to do now with recruiters that are underwater with volume. They don't have time to engage deeply. And what this is going to do is right, you know step back for a second, Chris. Right now, employers are screening people out. And this this kind of automation is actually going to screen more more candidates in because the cursory 
look that recruiters have the ability to do now or that they're getting from their legacy um, recruiting technology is more exclusive than inclusive. So this can have a real impact on inclusion and diversity, and it's going to create the need for recruiters and um, and humans that can engage candidates at that point and then move them through the process um, and develop relationships. So I think as we've seen, you know, sourcers haven't gone away. It's just that what they used to do in writing Boolean logic, uh, you know, Boolean strings has become largely automated. And now sourcers are focused on engaging candidates. They, they won't go away. They're just going to be engaging at a different point with, with, with a different data set. Um, and the process will look different and they'll be adding value in a different way. I, I, I don't have all the answers for exactly how, but I think we're we're going to see this change take take place. That's really interesting. And one of the things that I, I always say with you know AI is you know to your point uh, you know if you have the domain expertise, can ask the right questions, understand the right engagement levels, can build out that strategy. AI is going to just help you be so much more efficient. Um, and being able to do that. And that's not going to necessarily be replaced. Domain expertise always has value. Um, and, and so it's really interesting to hear all the different places that you are, are saying that like AI can really play a factor. Um, yeah, and I think in marketing, right? I think in recruitment marketing, um, uh, you know, the you know, domain expertise to your point, um, you know, uh, what, what works for a job title, what works uh, for a, uh, for sourcing candidates for advertising jobs, what, you know, um, what, what should the AB test look like on a, on a campaign, things like that. Um, systems can, technology can do a lot um, to help employers uh, in that, in that realm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, last question, and I ask this to everybody, but I, I'm curious, you know, so where do you get all this knowledge? Where where do you learn about new technologies? Who do you read around the trends that are happening in the talent acquisition space? You know, where, where should uh, anybody that's listening, um, you know, check out? Well, I, I make a, a an effort to stay grounded with uh, practitioners. Um, I also make an effort to get up into the ether with the vendors. So I, <laughs> I, I, I spent time with, with both. Um, that's the first answer. But you're, uh, you, what I do, um, I consume an awful lot of, um, of information. So at the market at large, um, I tend to look at, you know, VentureBeat and TechCrunch. And um, I look at uh, places like uh, CB Insights, which um, does a somewhat decent job in covering some of where the investment dollars are going um, overall in technology. And they do a decent job in our space, but um, they're getting better. Um, and I look at, you know, the business press. You know, I, I spent I always hit the uh, the Wall Street Journal and uh, and the Times uh, tech and business sections. Um, specific to this uh, niche, um, I highly recommend HR Wins, but that that's self-promotion, so I'll, I'll tell you some other places to go as well. Um, uh, there's a Facebook group I've been really enjoying called Talent Product Plays that, um, uh, that I, I just, I find a lot of really interesting conversation, both with practitioners, technologists, and analysts there. Um, HROS, which is HR outsourcing, HROS.co. Um, this is uh, a few thousand employers who are contributing best practices throughout the HR, you know, a lot of talent stuff there. Um, I spend time in the LinkedIn HR technology, uh, the, the trade show, the HR technology LinkedIn group. Um, 
I, some people that I follow are, um, uh, the H, you know, I, my podcast is on the HR Happy Hour network, but separately, HR Happy Hour with Steve Bose and um, and his his blog, his technology blog is very helpful. Uh, Lighthouse Research, uh, which uh, is Ben Eubanks, um, he's uh, he's very good across the spectrum. Aptitude Research Partners, uh, Madeline Lorano and uh, Molly Lombardi. Um, I also follow you know Martin Burns, who we mentioned a couple of times. Um, he should buy me dinner or something but uh he's recruiter mo on uh on twitter and the folks at hire clicks put out some some good content and then um i tend to surf twitter a lot i use you know the hr tech re- and recruiting um and other uh you know hashtags and other brands uh I, I sort of follow and look at you know not as frequently as those other sources but i i sort of this this becomes a big stew of of information and i find trends and and uh, I, the important thing I would say to a, pra- a practitioner is um, make some time, even if it's 30 minutes um, in the morning while you're having a cup of coffee, to look at some of the uh, some of the blogs or some of the analysts I've mentioned or some of the Facebook groups or or websites, um, just to get a sense of what's going on out there. It, go- it goes a long way, and it's um, and it also gives you some some uh, uh, perspective on what's going on in the world. Well, that's a great list, um, and I know I follow uh, you know every every um, source and every person that you mentioned on on that uh, call. So, um, is there anything else? Um, you know, where else can uh, people contact you? Uh, I know the Facebook groups, talent product plays, uh, is you know something you're very active in, and I I always love the updates that you provide there. Um, you know, how else might somebody reach out to you and kind of learn a little bit more? Um, well, uh, if you go to hrwins.com, uh, that that is where I publish everything that I write. You'll also find every link possible to connect with me. So I'm on LinkedIn, you know, just search for George LaRock. I'm, I'm on Twitter. It's G LaRock, G L A R O C Q U E. But again, you, you can just go to hrwins.com and you'll, you'll find me and, and you'll, you'll find everywhere that I am there. And that, that site, keep an eye on HR wins. It's about to get a major, uh, facelift and there's a lot of, uh, new content and context around this technology conversation that's coming. I'm real excited about it. Uh, so, um, you know, I'd, I'd be honored if you, if folks took out a, an RSS feed or subscribed to uh, my email list, um, I, I'd, I'd probably email once a quarter. I, I don't send a lot out, but uh, but I try to make it valuable when I do send it. Well, fantastic. This was a great conversation. Um, you know, we covered HR tech, recruiting innovation, you know, how to look about uh choosing vendors, buying technology, uh, and really just, you know, amazing insight in terms of, you know, some of the trends and innovations that you should be looking at. So uh, just remember to check out hrwins.com to, you know, see what, you know, George is talking about with HR tech trends. Uh, And then also please subscribe to his podcast, HR Market Watch. George, you know, thanks for taking the time to join me me today. It was a real pleasure. And uh, I really enjoyed it at any time, Chris. For those interested in speaking with George and other recruitment marketing and employer branding professionals, I highly encourage you to join two Facebook groups. First one is Transform Recruitment Marketing, and the second, Talent Product Plays. These are practitioner-led and influencer-led forums for discussion, 
questions and debates on recruitment marketing, employer branding, recruitment technology, and how to best reach quality candidates. Search Transform Recruit Marketing and Talent Product Plays in the Facebook search bar to join the groups today.